How you guys doing? You guys doing good? My podium is like way high right now. Um, and so, what's up? Oh, I love it. Um, well, you guys are doing good. That's good. I like it when folks are doing good. Since you guys all sat far away, I'm actually going to come up closer. Is that okay? Um, oh, okay. I'll scoot back. I'll scoot back. Man, I'm crazy right now. Um, so, guys, we are, we are 15 weeks into the book of John. And 15 weeks into the book of John. And we have finally broken uh, the first tor- John chapter 5. Um, it's uh, it's pretty intense uh, at how long it's taking us to get through the book of John. Uh, for those of you who know, we actually just finished John chapter 5 two weeks ago. And so for any of you guys who know that, uh, 15 weeks and 5 chapters, uh, that means we're doing about 3 weeks a chapter. Uh, and for any of you guys who are Bible students and know that the book of John uh, is all of 20 plus chapters long, uh, 21 chapters. Uh, at that current rate, we will be in the book of John. Does anyone know? So if we're doing three, uh, three weeks per chapter, we're in chapter five. We've already been in 15 weeks. But yeah, we're going to be in this uh, book probably up until 2016, um, which is awesome because the book of John is great. Uh, but we need breaks uh, from its awesomeness. And so every, we took 15 weeks, uh, but we're probably going to go every 10 weeks uh, just to be easier on ourselves. We're going to do like a small, like four-week uh, mini-series just to like break it up so we're not just like drudging through John, which is great, and I hope we wouldn't be ju- drudging, but I know even as someone who is uh, studying the book of John constantly, um, there's times where I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm like, I love it, but I want to, I, I don't know if I'm Bible studying ADD, but I always want to jump to the next thing, you know? Uh, and so we're going to just pause John for, for uh, the rest of the year, okay? Uh, we're going to pick back up in John 2015. Um, and so for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about something uh, that if you already looked up there, you might know. Uh, but it's something that uh, doesn't always get talked about a lot in church, but is expected of in church and uh, doesn't really ever get talked about with, like, youth and young people. Uh, And so traditionally, uh, our generation is not very good at this uh, subject that we're going to be talking about for the next four weeks. So I said, hey, might as well talk about it for the next four weeks to see if we can get better at it. Uh, And that is the subject of giving. Um, It's a scary topic always. For pastors and teachers of the Word of God who have people who uh, listen to them uh, to talk about, because in America, people hate to listen to people talk about giving, uh, and I'm going to mention why that may be uh, a little bit later on in the, in the service, but uh, I would say unequivocally, this is something that needs to be talked about, uh, it's something that needs to be heard, uh, and I think it's something that needs to be applied in our everyday lives. Uh, life is not a word. Don't use that in Scrabble. Uh, our everyday lives. Um, and uh, so we're going to uh, we're going to tread not lightly. We're actually going to like stomp this out. It's going to be good. Um, and hopefully we all walk away in four weeks with a greater understanding of what it means to give. 
Uh, and hopefully tonight we all walk away with a greater understanding of what it means to tithe uh, and the importance of tithing. Um, but we're taking a break from John, and uh, we're going to really break down giving biblically uh, and what that means. Uh, you hear me at Hillside nearly every Sunday. Uh, I have the opportunity to do our pastoral prayer time and uh, our offering time. And uh, I feel like, and I don't know if it sounds like to you guys, I feel like a broken record sometimes because uh, I say almost the same thing every week. Uh, and thank you. Um, yeah, uh, but, it, and I think the reason why it sounds like a broken record is because we don't all have uh, the greatest understanding uh, of what these things mean, and so we're going to unpack uh, the coin phrase I used of here at Hillside, we believe in the Bible, and we believe in giving biblically, and what it means to give biblically is that we tithe, that's the first 10% of all of our increase, we give that back to the Lord, we believe in giving in alms, and the alms is the, uh, the money that come in to go to help those who are in need, both in the fellowship and outside the fellowship, and lastly, we believe in giving in missions, and that is the monies that come in that go to help local mission here in Oregon. Uh, mission in the United States and global missions worldwide so that the gospel may go forth. Uh, that sounds familiar? Yeah, because I've been saying it for a while. I've changed it up a, a, a little bit, but I think it's important that we know uh, what the tithe really is just beyond that first 10% of our increase. Cool, okay. What does that actually mean in my life? Uh, what alms truly are and what the importance of alms are and what the importance of missions are. And we'll be closing off uh, this series uh, in four weeks, we actually have a missionary family coming, uh, and they're going to hang out with us. It's going to be really, really cool. Uh, you're going to hear from Pastor Dave during this uh, sermon series. Uh, my dad's going to come and talk uh, about giving uh, and what giving means. And we have some really cool opportunities uh, as uh, folks who are part of a body of believers at Hillside uh, to give. But we live in a time. Uh, how many of you guys know? Let's actually pray, and then we're going to dive into the the message. Dear God, we just pray tonight as we look at your perfect word, uh, God, that you would speak to us tonight through your word, uh, God, that we would uh, be encouraged, uh, God, we would learn what your word has to say, God, that we wouldn't uh, just go off of what we think your word says, uh, God, uh, what we've been told, uh, but God, that we would go off of truly what your word has to say, God, and we would apply what your word has to say to our lives. God, anything that be of me uh, may I fall on deaf ears or may I not even be able to get it out of my mouth, but God, may your perfect word come through. Uh, so God, we thank you, we praise you in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, amen, amen. Uh, we live in a time uh, where economic crisis, economic uh, constraints, economic uh, stress uh, is kind of a, a hot button. Um, most of you, uh, except actually all of you, uh, I can say this unequivocally, all of you except Joe and I uh, were in high school in 2008 or lower than high school. Am I correct in saying that? All of you guys, uh, Joe's shaking his head. You guys waited at 04? Oh, five. Yeah, so so uh, I, I got out of high school, uh, the the front end of 2008, uh, but the economic crisis, you guys remember like when everything crashed back in 2008? Maybe you don't personally remember it uh, as something that affected you because, I mean, economic crisis doesn't affect high schoolers and middle schoolers, uh, but it actually does, and, and, and we might briefly mention that. But, yeah, some things in the economy uh, went bad. How many of you guys back in the day, 
Any Wamu folk here? Oh my yeah, God. I, I was a Wamu folk, and Washington Mutual went under. Uh, their stock dropped to like less than two dollars a stock, and like they lost everything. And uh, Chase Bank came in and took over. And thank God for Chase, because I love Chase Bank. Uh, There's great folk over there. Um, but yeah, uh, economic crisis is something that that uh, is talked about a lot. Maybe you've heard the coin phrase, uh, the recession. Anyone heard that? Yeah, yeah, the recession. And we're on the we're on the climb out of the recession. Uh, uh, all the presidential campaigns since the 2008 election, which has been two campaigns, um, have been like, we are going to solve the economic crisis. I'm not here to talk about politics, uh, but I don't know that we solved it. Uh, and uh, that's all I'm going to say on politics. Um, but we as a church, uh, and we as a young people, I'm going to say young people because I think we all are categorized as young people or young adults, uh, even though I'm starting to get a lot more gray hair than I would like. Um, the Bible does say gray hair is a crown of wisdom, so uh, I'm just going with that. Um, but as college students, how many of you guys are college students? Let's actually just see a show of hands. Uh, kind of sort of not really. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight, nine. Okay, out of everyone in the room, out of the majority are college students. Uh, how many of you guys have graduated college? Nine. Boom, shakalaka, there's two. Uh, yeah, there we go, okay. Uh, uh, so, so a few of us have graduated college. Uh, how many of y'all are in the good American workforce? Amen, I love it. There we go, we got some county workers, some state workers, good stuff. Um, it's a... Uh, uh, it's a good thing to work, and, and, and that will come into play in just a minute. Uh, but traditionally, and the general rule of thumb when uh, it's mentioned like young people, uh, young people don't have money, uh, which in many cases is, is very true. Um, I mean, I, I know firsthand what it feels like to not have a lot of money. Um, I don't have a lot of money. Uh, I know what it means to have student loans. How many of you guys have student loans? Anyone got student loans out there? Yeah, I got student loans. I'm paying them off uh, all the time. I just made a payment three days ago on, on my student loan. And um, so traditionally in the church, uh, young people don't give because young people don't have money. Uh, and though that may be the case, uh, we're going to break down what it truly means uh, to not have money, what it means to be broke. And I would ask the question, uh, are we uh, truly broke uh, when it comes to finances, us as individuals? Now, this is a study uh, that I don't want us to feel bad about, uh, and it's not a study to force people into giving um, lots and lots of dollars above and beyond. Uh, God wants a cheerful giver, uh, but we believe in the Bible, uh, and we want to follow what the Bible has to say. And the Bible uh, says that Christians are to give to their church. Uh, Christians are to give to their church. That's what the Bible preaches. Um, and some people have said that uh, they don't give financially. Uh, rather, they give of their time. Uh, and this is great, but God asks for more. And I just want to give the the brief disclaimer uh, this is not a televangelist scam. I'm not going to stand up here and pretend to be the televangelist and be like, give me thus and so, and God will do thus and so. Uh, I actually watched a video today. It was a 35-minute uh, video um, about televangelists and uh, some, some 
awesome, awesome things uh, uh, we can get if we give thousands of dollars to these televangelists. Uh, one of them was we can get an anointed prayer rug. Uh, it's really cool. Yeah, an anointed prayer rug. Uh, if you give a simple sum of $100 to this one dude, you can have a bottle of anointing oil that is from the olives that are in the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives. Uh, piece of holy anointing oil. Um, for, this was my all-time favorite. No joke, a televangelist. Who, who wasn't actually the greatest public speaker was sitting in this chair with like a wicker fence behind him. I was like, yeah, it was awesome. But he's like sitting down, he's like, if you give today, we have these pictures. And he said, he said pictures where he's like, this is my picture. And, and it was a picture of him like sitting there like in a sweater like this. He actually had the hands like this and he had like this like awesome like smirk. And he's like, and we won't just stop there for your gift of 20 or 25 or 50 or even $100. I'll throw in this picture. And this picture, and he had like three pictures of him doing different like poses, you know, like it was like, like the bottom, he's like, we'll even throw in, we'll even throw in this slimline Bible for the ladies, and we'll also throw in this study Bible, and if you give twenty dollars, we'll throw in the family size like coffee table. I mean, it was legitimately huge. And he goes, and that's not all. For your simple donation, we will throw in this, and he busted out. I kid you not. It looked like a baseball hat you'd find at Goodwill, and it just had the number seven on it. Yeah. <laughs> it was the televangelist number seven baseball hat. I was like, that's awesome. Uh, so I'm not going to try and scam you into giving a lot of money, because uh, that's not what it's about. Uh, I'm not going to try and say, uh, God will, if you, I saw this one too. This one was just, it was weird to me. Uh, maybe God really didn't tell him this, but this dude, he like was talking to folks, and he like woke up in the morning, and he looked at his alarm clock, and it was like 4.56 in the morning, and he's like, okay, so he like starts talking at his thing, like, God has told me that if you give me $456 for our ministry, God will give you great nights of sleep, and we'll throw on a, a, a free prayer shower. He like had like the like whole like headdress thing, I was like... This is weird, uh, and that's not what I want to do in giving. But that's kind of like the general consensus most Americans have. Like when they go to church and they hear about uh, giving, they're like, oh, here we go, some sort of televangelist scam. Uh, they're going to drive out of here in a nice car. They have nice houses. Um, and, and that's not what we're about. Uh, we're not about uh, scamming folks out of their money and evading taxes because we're a 501c3 nonprofit. Uh, that's not how giving biblically is supposed to be. So that's just a disclaimer. That's not what we're doing. Uh, but the Bible does have a lot to say um, about giving. So for the next few weeks, we will look at what the Bible says about tithes, about alms, and about missions. But tonight, we're going to break down the big one, the T-I-P-H-E. If you want to say it, tithe. Your opportunity. Everyone say it. Tithe. Yeah. Okay. And if you're taking notes, just write down some things about the tithe. Uh, the tithing uh, principle is something found throughout Scripture, uh, and we see it mentioned in the law uh, that we are to give 10% of our increase uh, to God. If you were to flip in your Bibles or just write in your notes to Leviticus 27, you would see the tithe broken down. Uh, and uh, traditionally, the tithe has been uh, a giving principle of the Christian faith, and it's been the primary giving principle of the Christian faith. Historically, it was mandated by the Roman Catholic Church uh, that you give or else uh, you get 
uh, a horse talking to, and then you can become excommunicated. You give, you give, you give of everything you have, you give. Uh, essentially, it became paying taxes to the church, uh, which is not biblical. Um, but the, the Roman Catholic Church throughout the Middle Ages uh, forced the tithe on folks, and when people weren't able to afford their tithe, they had to give up their property. Some bad things associated there with the, uh, with the church in the Middle Ages. Uh, more recently, uh, the Mormons, they believe in tithing. Uh, and when you become a Mormon, uh, none of us are going to become Mormons, I don't think, uh, but if you become a Mormon, uh, you give your financial uh, statements to the church, uh, they find out how much you make. Uh, they find out what the exact tithe is of that, and they will send you a bill every year for your tithe. Uh, and if you don't pay your tithe to the Mormon Church, you are in bad standards with the Mormon Church, which means you get pretty much excommunicated by all your friends, all your family, who does tithe. Um, that's not what we do at Hillside. You're not going to get a bill every uh, at the end of every year. Um, actually, we give a giving statement that says, hey, this is how much you gave. Praise God. We're building the kingdom together. That's actually really cool. Um, but the tithe is is uh, something that we are to be obedient to God and give. Now, I want to just break down. The intro is really long, and in in the actual sermon part isn't that big. Uh, but we might be here for a little while. Uh, because first I want to break down some common arguments that we find in the church today, especially in Portland where we have this like progressive, like let's get more culturally le- like relevant church, like... Uh, I don't even know what the right words are for, so I'm not even going to try and make anything up. Uh, but just a very modern church that likes to uh, appeal to uh, the coffee drinking, bike riding, uh, yeah, ish, but not ish. Uh, just, I mean, to college folk who don't want to give their money. Uh, there are some arguments that folks have. So some modern Christians and churches uh, say that the tithe no longer applies to us because the Apostle Paul said that we are no longer uh, living under the law because now we are living under grace. How many of you guys have heard the statement, we are no longer under the law, we are under grace? Okay? Uh, that is a very true statement. We are not subject to the law of the Old Testament. Uh, how many of you guys, I know it's no shave November, how many of you guys have shaved in the last few months? Joe has to shave every day. It's just part of his job. Um, if you shave, you've broken the law. Uh, so, like I said, we don't follow the law. You are free from the law. We are under grace. But what I would also say to that is, because these are folks who are like, well, yeah, tithing is just a, a principle of the law. We no longer have to live by the law because we're saved by grace. Uh, grace is sufficient, the law can't save, so we don't have to live by the law. This is what I always say to those folks. Uh, so then is it okay to murder because we have grace? Is it okay to steal because we have grace? Is it okay to commit adultery because we have grace? And the answer is no. So there's still some very fundamental things of the law that apply today. Okay, the, the sacrificial and religious rites and all that kind of uh, stuff in the law, yeah, that kind of doesn't apply today. We don't have to, like, do this and that and that, like, stay in our house on the Sabbath. So, no, we have grace. But when it comes to, like, the moral law, uh, yeah, we still have to apply to that. But let's forget all of this, uh, and let us assume for now that we can outright forget the law uh, because we are saved by grace. So we don't have to apply the tithe. And, and before I let us forget the law, uh, I, I just have another thing. That, because you will be approached. I guarantee you if you start talking about tithing and biblical tithing, uh, and especially in our state, uh, with other Christians who you might even go to college with, they, you will hear this argument. How many of you guys have actually heard this argument before? 
Anyone actually heard this argument before? Yeah, the, the argument of you don't have to give, you don't have to tithe because the tithing is a principle of the law. Anyone ever heard that before? Okay, uh, you'll hear it more. Uh, I can guarantee you that uh, if you step outside the church just a little bit and, and you actually start talking to people about this, it comes up uh, almost weekly uh, when I talk to folks um, about these sort of things. Uh, so what they say is, is yeah, tithing is in the law. Uh, it is. And did any of you guys flip in Leviticus uh, 27? Okay, we're not going to read it, but I just want you to do a little bit of study on Leviticus chapter 27. Uh, because, yes, it talks about the giving of the first 10% of all of your increase. But then also, 27. Uh, and then it also talks about giving of another 10 percent, uh, no, another 10%. And then every three years you give a special 10% that goes to like festivals and all that good stuff. So if you really want to break it down, the tithe according to the law standard is 23% annually or 23.33 repeating annually. Um, that's not the tithe we're talking about. So the, the statement I would say to someone who says, let's, uh, let's forget tithing because it's a part of the law and we no longer have the law because we have grace, I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and I'll say this though. Um, turn to Genesis chapter 14. So I'm going to have you guys turn uh, with me to Genesis chapter 14. And it's a familiar story for some, uh, maybe not as familiar for others. But if you know anything about the Bible, uh, how many of you guys know when the law, and then this is, this is actually a question I want, wanted you guys to answer. Uh, when did the law come into play? Not like years or anything. Say that a little louder, Lydia. Yeah. Uh, at what point, and what is the exodus? Not when the Egyptians left Egypt, but when the... I said, oh, I thought... Yeah, no, no, when the Israelites... What's that? No, oh, Christian Bale, uh, December 12th, this upcoming year, Exodus comes out. It's probably going to be good. Uh, you're all invited. We're going to go see it on my birthday. It's going to be great. Um, more on that to come. Uh, but uh, it's when Moses leads the, the Jews, the Hebrew people, out of Egypt... They walk through the wilderness, go to the promised land, and God gives them the law during this time. Okay. Uh, do you guys know when this took place, biblical chronology? Not like years and dates, but uh, does the Exodus take place before or after the book of Genesis? After. After. How do you know? Genesis and Exodus. Yeah, Genesis and Exodus. They actually lined up chronologically for us. That's easy. That's good. Okay, so here's the thing. If I had to turn to Genesis 14 to look for the tithe... Genesis 14 comes before the law and the exodus, so tithing is actually predating the law. So these people who say, yeah, I don't have to tithe because the tithe was a part of the law, I'm saved by grace, the law no longer applies to me, they're false in their understanding of Scripture because the tithe actually predates the law. And I think this is a really cool story, uh, and you can read it on your own time, uh, but there was this... Uh, uh, this evil king, uh, his name is actually really fancy, um, and you don't actually have to try and spell it out. Uh, it's Cheddar Leomer, uh, and we're just going to call him King Cheddar Cheese for fun. Uh, he's the head cheese, the big cheese, King Cheddar. Uh, and King Cheddar uh, wipes out uh, some other kingdoms, one of which was Sodom, uh, and he also takes 
uh, with him a guy by the name of Lot. How many of you guys heard of Lot before? Okay, yeah, Lot is Abraham's cousin who moved to Sodom, okay? And when King Chedachis comes through, uh, he, he, he takes out the city of Sodom, takes out the city of Gomorrah, and Abraham is like, crud, he took my, uh, my nephew captive. Um, now I don't have any nephews, but I do have a cousin, and I do have a, uh, I have two cousins sitting here. I was trying to think of the female version of cousin, but that's, it's cousin, okay. Uh, it's cousin. Okay, so I've got two cousins. I have a brother and sister, too. Uh, and if they were captured by uh, some marauding cheddar cheese blocks, uh, I would go do what I could do uh, to set them free, and I would hope they'd do the same for me. Um, here's the thing. Abraham's like, all right, I'm throwing together a band of just about 300 of my servants, which, first and foremost, Abraham had over 300 servants. That's pretty cool. Uh if any of y'all, I'm taking applications if you want to be my servant. No, I'm just joking. Uh, but Abraham had 300, like, manservants that were, like, studs. They all, like, armed with swords. And they go and they raid at night and they take captive all of uh, the captured folk and uh, take some booty with them as well. Uh, and they're like, woohoo, we've defeated King Cheddarman and uh, we now have taken all uh, our folks back. And they go and they meet a guy by the name of Melchizedek, the king of Salem. Okay, and something happens when Abraham, the king of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, when they meet uh, Melchizedek, uh, Abraham does something very specific because Melchizedek blesses Abraham and says, blah, 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 blessing. Okay, awesome, awesome stuff. You guys can read it on your own time. Uh, Abraham then does something. He goes, I am going to give you a tithe, and he gives him, right up in there, 10% of everything he owns. Now, for anyone who's a Bible student or does Bible typology and whatnot, uh, Melchizedek, uh, many biblical scholars and theologians believe Melchizedek uh, is something that is called a Christophany. Everyone say Christophany. Christophany. Does anyone know what Christophany means? I did not know. Sam? It's like a pre- Okay, absolutely. The, the correct uh, phraseology of that is the pre-incarnate Christ. So before Jesus became man and dwelt among us, before the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, there are times in the Old Testament where we see Jesus uh, come to earth not as a man, fully in his heavenly body. Okay, And many theologians and Bible scholars believe that Melchizedek was, in fact, the pre-incarnate Christ. Was he, was he not? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know for sure. Uh, there's some other good arguments out there that he isn't. Uh, but that aside, let's just say for the sake of argument that he is. And when he gives blessing to Abraham, just like Jesus has given blessing to us, right, in the form of grace, his death and his resurrection, his blood covering our sins, uh, Abraham then gives to him something that is called a tithe. 10% of what he had. And uh, there's this thing in the study of hermeneutics. Everyone say hermeneutics. We're just getting you saying weird words tonight that you'll probably never use again. Uh, but hermeneutics is the study of uh, really how to interpret the Bible. And there is a rule in hermeneutics called uh, the rule of first mention. Okay? The principle of first mention. So when you're talking about something, and it's a theological issue, theological debate, maybe it's a biblical principle, uh, make all theologies off of the principle of first use. So the very first time tithe is used in Scripture is here in Genesis 14. And 
Thus and so, we make our theologies about tithing off of the first mention. So, God blesses Abraham, so Abraham gives back 10%. This is the principle for tithing that we are to apply in our everyday lives. So, um, this is good story and, and, and a lot of fun here, uh, but the argument continues, okay, uh, that tithing, we don't need to tithe, okay, uh, you as Christian don't need to tithe, this, this argument keeps coming, another one they'll use is, uh, well, Jesus, uh, Jesus only ever mentions tithing once, and he mentions tithing in uh, a negative manner, which is a true statement. Jesus mentions tithing once. And if you want to, you can look in your Bible. Um, I, did I write it in my notes? Yeah, Matthew. Uh, Matthew chapter 23, Jesus is talking uh, to the Pharisees and the scribes. And he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, for you tithe of the anise and the mint and the cumin, but you lack in the weightier things, such as justice, grace, and love. In essence, what Jesus is saying is you guys are good tithers, but you've forgotten grace and love. And so one of the arguments against tithing is you should no longer tithe, because Jesus said the Pharisees did good doing that, but they forgot the more important things, such as grace, love, and all these things. So Jesus teaches that tithing is okay, but not required, but love, grace, and justice is required which is not what Jesus actually is saying. Jesus tells them they do good in tithing, and they should not stop tithing, but they should apply these other things to their lives. What the Pharisees and the scribes would do was they would became such good at tithing that they would break down their very minerals and herbs they cooked with. And when they would cut their little mint leaves up, They'd cut it into like ten little pieces, put one away, that's God's portion, and they'd use the nine to cook. Okay? That's like pretty intense. Okay? But when it came to extending grace to folks who were going through hard times, uh, they wouldn't do anything. Okay? And Jesus corrects them and reprimands them for this. So, uh, they say that the tithe is gone uh, and that the tithe is, is replaced by grace and love. Uh, no, it works synonymous with grace and love. The last argument that I've heard uh, is that, well, the tithe worked financially, but for me, it doesn't work financially. So the tithe, for me, I'm going to tithe 10% of my time to the church a week. If you have a certain amount of allotted hours in a week, I'm going to give 10% of those hours to the church, uh, which is a great principle to apply. Uh, we should serve our churches, but we are not to neglect the financial side of things. While showing love is great, we must still practice it uh, and what it truly means to tithe. So, I'm going to give you guys my story, and then we're going to talk just a little bit more, uh, and then we're going to actually get to the sermon. Okay, this is still the intro. I promise this is a long intro, and the sermon is short, uh, but altogether the teaching is the same length. Um, I have grown up in the church. How many of you grew up in the church? How many of you guys who have grown up in the church, you have heard the giving talk, the tithe talk, the missions talk, the alms talk at least ten times? Okay. 
I grew up hearing it and grew up knowing it was good. And knew that God loved a cheerful giver. So by the time I had gotten to probably freshman year of high school, I came up with this idea, well, I'm just not going to be cheerful, so then God won't want me to give. <laughs> that is when you use the Bible uh, in the wrong way. That's what we call a pretext, and pretexts are always wrong. Uh, so I had formulated this whole uh, theology of God loves a cheerful giver, so God won't love me if I don't give cheerfully, so I'm just not going to give. And that's how I applied my life. And all my finances, I did not get none. So I'd be like, oh, I've got some cash in my wallet. I'll drop it in the plate. I'm the pastor's kid, okay? And uh, I didn't give. Um, when I got to college, uh, how many of you guys are in your freshman year of college? Anyone in their freshman year of college? Okay. Uh, when I was in my freshman year of college, uh, it was a great time. It was a long time ago. Um, how many of you guys remember, like, senior year, right after graduation, getting, like, graduation cards? Anyone remember graduation cards? Do you guys remember getting some money? Okay. Uh, I got some money for graduation. Uh, I don't know if it was just because uh, I had really, like, loving relatives, and I was, like, one of the first in my family to, like, graduate high school, not because people dropped out, but just because I'm, like, one of the oldest siblings and relatives. Um, like, I got a lot of money when I graduated. Um, I got $1,700 for graduating. That's a lot of money. And that summer, that summer, I worked construction and worked like a grand total of like 13 days and made another $1,700 uh, just doing construction. So by the end of summer, I was sitting around on a wallet in a bank account for just over three grand, uh, and I was not giving properly. Uh, or at all, I'll be honest, I wasn't giving at all. Uh, by the time school started, September 28, 2008, my bank account, kid you not, going into September, my bank account was about $3,600. Uh, going into school, December or, or September 28, 2008, my bank account was 0, 0. 0.39 cents. I had 39 cents in my bank account. Um, and I was down to nothing, wasn't working, uh, and had blown all my money. Uh, now, that doesn't have to do with the fact that I didn't tie. Okay, it does, but it doesn't. Um, I was really financially irresponsible. Um, the part how it does apply is if I had been financially responsible with God, I wouldn't have put myself in that predicament. So here's the thing. Uh, I ended up getting a job. I worked at Starbucks. Um, if you went to Starbucks in Sunnyside between the years of 2008 and 2009 and a half, uh, I probably made your drink. And so, woohoo for Starbucks. Um, so I got some money, and I, and I wasn't I wasn't flat broke, uh, but I never really had more than two or three hundred dollars in my account uh, at any given moment. I was more often than not sitting around like seventy bucks. Um, I got free Starbucks drinks, which was nice. Um, and I still was never giving because I was under the... I, I had moved away from the idea that um, God loves a cheerful giver, so I'm not going to give. I, I just won't be cheerful, so I don't have to give. I moved past that. I was like, okay, I want to give. I started feeling like I've got to give um, because by this point, I started helping lead the youth, and I was like, i got to give this little example. This um, but I was under the influence or... or, 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 or uh, uh, not under the influence. That's the wrong phrase. I was under the assumption, that's the right word, under the assumption uh, that since I didn't have enough money to live, God would uh, provide for me uh, by allowing me not to give. 
a very twisted idea of, of giving. Uh, and so I was like, okay, I'm not going to give. I'm not going to give. Um, and I, uh, about every week or so, I, I would look at my phone and figure out how much money I had and realize, oh, shoot, I have nothing. Uh, I really have no money. Like, this is how bad it was. I'd pull up to, like, McDonald's to get food. I'd check my account. I didn't have enough to get McChicken, which like a dollar. It's like, dang, like, I am in a very rough place financially. Um, and I, I wasn't spending absorbent amount of money on anything uh, except gas uh, and the occasional fast food stuff. Uh, but I, for some reason, could never find money. I'd get a paycheck. I'd deposit it. Within three days, I was like, where did it go? Um, and I, I really was stressing out about it. I was like, all right, like, like, like God, uh, I know that you've told uh, me in your word that I am to give and, and I want to give, but I just don't have the means to give. Um, and I remember getting my very first tax return. Has anyone ever got a tax return before? Uh, I got a tax return. Uh, I remember it to this day. Uh, it was like $263.37. and like I was like, awesome. And I, I decided, I was like, all right, God, my bank account is zero. I just got an extra $267 that I would have never got. Here's the deal, God. You said you would be faithful. I'm going to give $26.70. I did. That week, uh, I had forgot to get gas, and uh, I was driving, and I looked at my gas meter, and my gas meter was at empty. And there wasn't another gas station for over 40 miles. And so I said, okay, God, um, I was faithful. I gave. I can't get gas. Uh, you need to sustain. Uh, I made it over 60 miles on an empty gas tank. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay, God, whether or not my gas meter, because after the fact, I was like, okay, that wasn't real. Like, God wasn't actually providing whether or not my gas meter was broken at the time or God actually supernaturally provided me gas like he has done in Scripture, providing oil, uh, it was enough for me to be like, all right, God, you provide. You provide. I'm going to give. Uh, so I'd tithe. Three or four months would go by. I'd tithe again. Uh, then I'd tithe for like two months in a row. I was like, oh, awesome. And I'd get like a month to the next month. I was like, okay, I'm going to double up the tithe. Did it. Was broke. Transferred money over from savings and like then skipped three months of tithing. And it kind of went on like this like hit and miss tithe thing uh, up until uh, I got into my senior year uh, of college. And I was still, uh, I, I would tithe every once in a while, uh, but uh, I was financially strapped. Uh, I, I never had money just to have fun. Um, and uh, about the time I graduated uh, college, I was expecting to get dollars to get for graduation. People don't care when you graduate college. They just give you like a like Red Robin gift card, uh, and they give you a lot of books. And I was just like, dang it, I could have used that $1,700. But here's the thing. I got hired on full-time. Uh, at Hillside as uh, the youth pastor, and I said, okay, if I'm going to be a pastor, it's going to be my official title, I've got to live 100% biblically, um, and so I'm going to tithe. And, and so I started, and I'd skip a month, and forget a month, whatnot. Uh, but I can stand up here today and tell you uh, I have tithed straight uh, for 28 months. I have not missed a month. I, I have tithed 10% of everything that I get each month for the last 28 months. And I can tell you this, in 28 months, I have never once been strapped. Uh, I have never looked at the bank account and said, where am I going to get 
money to pay my student loan? Where am I going to get money to, um, to pay for gas? So I can say from experience, uh, God does provide. Am I rich? Uh, absolutely not, and I probably never will be. I'm in ministry. Uh, but God provides unequivocally, no matter what, when we are faithful unto him. Uh, and, and, and so I just want to give maybe a little bit of biblical uh, encouragement also, because my story is great. Uh, it's great for me because I'm, I'm following what God has called me to do, uh, and he's providing, which is an awesome place to be. Um, but the reason uh, and an idea uh, why, and I mentioned this a little bit uh, in the intro, the pre-intro intro. Uh, we are going to be moving into this building in three months, okay, as a church. And I'm going to just open this door uh, briefly so you can look out here. Uh, you probably won't be able to see because it's very dark. Uh, but this is a full warehouse. That's a Model C. It's really cool. But this is a full warehouse that goes back about another 60 feet that is full of machines, full of just junk. And uh, it's not ready to be a church. And it's going to take over $100,000 uh, to get this place up and churchable, Okay. Uh, but that's not the reason why I'm talking about tithing. Okay, it's not because I'm like, well, we gotta get the young people to get some money so we can get in the building. That is not why. And I want you guys to know that's not why. If I was gonna die tomorrow, uh, I would probably still teach this message. Okay, because I think this is something that we need to apply to our lives. And if you are applying it, praise God. Um, but each and every single one of us, we need to tithe. Okay, um, in 2000, in the year 2000, how many of you guys uh, were younger than the age of 10 in 2000? Shoot, I really set my... Yeah. Joe, I set you and me up for this one. Okay, that's awesome. So for for those who are double digits in 2010, that's awesome. Uh, I don't think I had my first job by then. Did you have your first job by 2000? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so in 2000, did you guys know that 12% of professing, professing Christians in the United States, uh, only 12% of Christians tithed? That's a very, very bad number. By 2001, that number had dropped in half. 6% of Christians in 2001 tithe. Um, people were afraid. Uh, they were afraid after 9 of 11, like things were going to break out, like we were going to lose all our finances. By 2008, the financial crisis, uh, fear had continued to move into the church. And by 2008, 3% of Christians give uh, in tithing. Uh, and the number drops even more. Uh, so at a church of hill, hillside size, just over 300, uh, that would mean that if statistics were true, only nine people at Hillside would tithe. Um, now, I know that's not true, uh, which is awesome. We have a church that, that tithes and is faithful. Um, but I think it's a trend that we need to break. Uh, and I think it would be awesome if over 90% of the folks uh, at Hillside tithe. And I, and I think that's a reality. Uh, if we actually just get an understanding of what it truly means to live a biblical life. So it comes back, uh, and I think if we were to do a poll, uh, and I were to ask about folks' savings accounts, which I'm not going to do, if I were going to ask about how much you make, if I were going to ask about how much you owe in debt, uh, the general consensus would be we probably don't have a lot of money represented in this room. Am, am I safe to assume that? Okay, uh, here's the thing. I see some thumbs up in the back. Like, yeah, uh, you're safe to say that. Here's the thing. We stopped again, uh, and we stopped the tithe. And there's some very uh, biblical reasons why. Uh, so that was about seven pages of notes, and now we're to my sermon, which you can see is one and a quarter pages. Uh, so turn with me, if you will, and we're going to be done. Oh, it's, it's already 8.15. That was a long intro. 
Uh, and we're going to try and finish in 15 minutes. Turn with me to a book in your Bible called Haggai. How many of you guys knew there was a book in your Bible called Haggai? Okay, a few of us. Uh, yeah, You don't very often hear someone preach from the book of Haggai, but we're going to preach from the book of Haggai. Or Haggai, depending on what Sunday school you went to. Uh, Haggai chapter 1, we're going to pick up in verse 2. But before we get there, I just want to give you a little backstory. Uh, Haggai is a prophet, uh, a little bit after the time of Daniel. Uh, and if you remember Daniel, uh, the Israelites were taken captive into Babylon. And uh, a guy by the name of Cyrus, he was a Persian king, he takes over. Uh, and then it goes down just a little bit along the line, the guy by the name of Artaxerxes. And he sends some dudes named Ezra, Nehemiah, Jeshua, and Zerubbabel back to Jerusalem to build the temple. Okay? God's temple. Well, Haggai comes in at a point in time when, because of enemies and whatnot, they stopped building God's temple and they built their own houses for their own safety. And this is what he says, picking up in verse 2 of chapter 1 of Haggai. Thus says the Lord of hosts, this people says the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai, or, or came by Haggai the prophet, saying, It is time, for you yourselves dwell in your paneled houses, and the temple, my house, is to lie in ruins. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much, and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but you are not warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag that has holes within it. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood, and, the temp- uh, and build the temple, that I may take pleasure in it, and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but indeed you came to little. And when you brought it home, it blew away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in the room. Well, every one of you runs his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. In essence, what God is saying to the children of Israel here is, you were given a purpose to build my house, to build my temple, uh, but instead you got afraid, and you made sure you were safe, made sure you were protected, and you neglected what I had commanded you to do. So, this is a principle, uh, and this is uh, uh, something that goes straight along the lines uh, with tithing. Uh, God has instructed us with building up his house, uh, not only his uh, spiritual house, which is you, not only uh, his spiritual church, which is all believers, but a very real physical entity. God has called us to build up the church. Uh, we are told uh, in Scripture that we are to bring the tithe into the storehouse. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. When You guys, you guys can flip right now, if you want, to Malachi chapter 3. Um, but uh, at this point, uh, these folks were neglecting the building up of God's house and were building up their own things. Now, this is something that we probably face. Uh, I'm not going to give because I don't have enough money to pay for gas next week. How many of you guys have been in that? You see the bucket pack at church, and you're like, I've got 20 bucks in my wallet, but I know I need food and gas next week, and I don't have 20 bucks in the bank. I've been there. It's a very real place. Um, 
But God still asks us to be obedient and asks us to be faithful. Here, here's something, uh, David. You guys all know who David is in the Bible. He wrote the Psalms. Uh, he's, he's an important guy. He became the king of Israel. Uh, he says he has never seen a righteous person be in lack. Okay, God always provides. Uh, God always, always provides. In David's time, the folks of Israel were afraid of Philistines. In our time, folks are afraid of finances. I think if we were to be truly honest, uh, the thing that scares most people in America uh, is financial burdens, financial things. And what the hell am I going to live the American dream if I don't have the money that I dream of? Um, and so uh, David did something I think all Christians should do. Uh, David said, you know what? I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to go down to the brook. I'm going to pick up five nice stones. And I'm going to go charge that giant rock in a sling and whip it into shape. Shape it? No. no. Uh, whip it right into his head. And that's what he did. That's how we need to be when it comes to finances because there's some financial giants that we're going to face. I don't know how many of you guys have taken out a car loan, uh, but that's a giant that we can face. I've got a $10,000 loan uh, that I'm in the process of paying off right now. Uh, Not for a car, for a school. That's a giant. But I said, you know what, I'm going to run headstrong at it, and I'm going to be faithful to what God has said, and I'm going to take down this loan. And it's a loan that the, they have me set up to pay off in 20 years because they want all my interest. Uh, but I'm going to be able to pay off this loan in less than five years. Because I've said, you know what? I'm going to be faithful to what God has for me. And as a result, God's going to be faithful when it comes to me and my finances. And I'm well on track with it. Christians need to be more like David and say, you know what? I'm going to face this thing head on. God says this in Malachi chapter 3, uh, through the prophet Malachi. This is at the exact same time Haggai is going through his thing. He says this, picking up. Uh, in verse 6. For I am the Lord, I do not change. So God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his principles are as well. This is what it says in verse 8. Will a man rob God? Will a man rob God? That's a good question. Uh, Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have I robbed you? God answers and says, in the tithes and in the offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Even this whole nation, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such blessings, that there will not be room enough to receive it. In essence, what God is saying is when you don't tithe, you are legitimately robbing God. So much so that when you don't tithe, it would be the same as when they pass the bucket at church, you see a $100 bill in there, and you reach in and you pull it out for yourself. When you don't tithe, it's legitimately the same thing. When you don't tithe, it's robbing God. And when we think about that, that's kind of scary, because it's like, I don't want to rob God. Uh, God goes on to say, if you don't tithe, then you're cursed with a curse. Uh, what is the curse to curse with? It's not like some like, ooh, freaky curse. Uh, it is uh, that the doors of heaven that he's got blessings he wants to pour out on you, uh, those are closed up a little bit, um, closed up a lot of it. Uh, and then he goes on to say something. And this is intense. He says, bring all the tithes in the storehouse where uh, my food will be in the house. Okay, that is the church. Okay, uh, that is not a specific uh, four-walled building. Uh, that is the church, us, okay? 
Uh, and that is where we do fellowship, which is a four-walled building. Some buildings have three walls, others have like seven or eight. Uh, but uh, God says bring the tithe to a specific fellowship, okay? Where you do your fellowship, where you eat food in your house, church, uh, that's where you should tithe. And then he says this, and if, if you are a Bible student and you read this verse, you see that God says something here. He goes, and try me now in this. This is the only place in Scripture where God says, try me, try me, try me. Uh, the Bible says you shall not tempt God. This is God's one uh, one excuse or, 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 or one exception. Uh, he says, uh, try me when it comes to giving. He says, you don't think you're going to survive? Try me. Try me. Try me. Because here's the thing. God always, always, always provides. Always. No exceptions. To the person who, who gives, 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 and still lives in a 100 square foot, it's not as big as they want, they're driving a car that breaks down all the time, uh, God's still providing for them. Though it may not seem like it on the outside, God's providing them. And if you ask that person, uh, appearances aren't always as they seem, uh, and maybe it's health, maybe it's, I mean, we go down a list. Here's the thing, and, and, and I want to mention this before we close. Um, I'm not talking about some sort of prosperity gospel. Uh, I'm not talking, uh, hold your back up in the air. Let me see your smile. Uh, I'm not saying, uh, give me all your money and God will bless you with the car. I'm not saying, uh, you have not because you give not. Uh, trust the Lord and he will be faithful. Uh, you need that loan. God will provide. Okay, I'm not saying this. Okay. Uh, there is a very real prosperity gospel that's being preached in churches today. Uh, a, a gospel that God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise monetarily. Uh, yes, God wants us to be healthy, God wants us to be wealthy, uh, and God wants us to be wise. Uh, but it's not in our understanding of it. Um, uh, does God want some people to drive around in a Lamborghini and have a seven-story house? Uh, yeah, God does allow people to have that, uh, and God has planned for people to have that, okay? Uh, it's what they do with it, and I'm not going to judge. Here's the thing. Uh, does God have it in everyone's game plan uh, to be making a six-figure uh, income a year? Uh, does God have it in everyone's plan to have uh, a 3,500-square-foot house uh, with five cars? No, okay, that's not what I'm preaching. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying... Give your money to God and expect Him to give you a lot more money. Uh, that's not what I'm saying, okay? Because um, that boils down to you're not being a cheerful giver, you're being a um, greedy giver, okay? Um, what God is telling us is test Him uh, in this. Give and He will be faithful to you. You will be faithful, and you will receive blessing after blessing after blessing. And I can speak from experience in my own life. That is very true. I can tell you, my parents, it is very true. I can tell you, Pastor Dennis and his wife Jill, very true. I can tell you, everyone who I know who ties is always, always blessed. Now, do they have issues? Yeah, we all do. And I think that's a result of our fallen nature. But they're faithful to God, and God is faithful to us. Um, do we want to hear this all the time, uh, that God's going to bless you? Yeah, absolutely. 
but do we want to hear that I have to give? Not always, but here's the thing. Uh, when you do, uh, God is faithful, and God always provides. So I'm going to give you guys, and this is in closing. Bo's going to come up. He's going to lead us in one more song. Um, but before Bo starts playing, I'm going to give you guys a challenge. Because uh, I love you guys. I love each and every single one of you. Um, even James, who who I've just met like a week or, or, or a few weeks ago, I'm going to show again tonight. I love you, James. Uh, uh, I love you guys, Okay. Uh, and I think we have an awesome group, and I think we do awesome things. Um, I don't know which among you tithe. I don't know which among you guys give. Um, I would love to say all of you, uh, but if statistics are true, uh, there's less than 100 in here, which means less than three of us give uh, and tithe. And if statistics were true, I'm just going strictly off of statistics, uh, I think maybe a half of us, uh, a half of a person, like 0.5% of us tithe. Um, and so because of that, I'm going to go out on a limb uh, and give you guys a challenge. Uh, every Tuesday, we go out uh, to either Gustav's, we go to Applebee's, we go to Red Robin, we go to a bunch of different places. And I would say the average check uh, is probably somewhere between $8.50-ish. Some people are a little less, some people are a little more. Um, and I don't know, well, we probably go out as a group or in some form of group two or three times a week. Yeah, probably two or three times a week. So, as a young adults group, we're just going to be, I'm going to be very generalistic here. As a young adults group, each and every single one of us spends probably 15 to $20 on group hangout food. Okay, yeah, we probably do. Uh, so, the person who doesn't tithe but does that, I'm going to give you a challenge. I'm going to say, give up one of those times. Go come out and fellowship, have fun, and hang out. Uh, but give up buying food for the next four weeks. Next four weeks, as we're doing our giving series. And that money that you would spend on that food, put it in a little envelope. And for the next four weeks, whether it be $8.50 you spend on a meal, $6.30, or $11.95, whatever it is, Put that in an envelope at the end of the month. We're just going to have somewhere about $40. Okay? And I'm going to encourage you guys. So let's say at $40 at the end of the month, that would be a tithe of someone who makes $400 a month. Uh, some of us make $400 a month. Uh, others of us make more than $400 a month. Others of us make less. I'm going to encourage you, use that 40 bucks or so. Falling uh, over microphones. Uh, use that 40 bucks and tithe. And then I'm going to encourage you, if it's more than what your tithe would be, um, give above and beyond and give all of that to God. Okay? Because we're going to learn and talk about all the missions in just a minute. Uh, and then I'm going to encourage you, uh, that's going to put us halfway through December, I'm going to encourage you guys with Christmas, with Black Friday, with all that stuff, that's going to be hard because some people want to shop. I'm going to encourage you also to continue the trend out through the end of the year. And test God. Say, God, you know what? I'm going to give you thus and so. If you're someone who does not give. Now, if you give, that's awesome. You can join in on this and do this. I think God will bless you too for doing this. But I'm going to challenge you to try God. If you do not tithe, you know who you are. Only you know who you are. Uh, if you do not tithe, I'm going to challenge you for the next two months, or one and a half months, really. For the rest of 2014, tithe. Tithe. See what God does. 
see what God does. And you know what? It might be something little, it might be something big. But believe that God will do something. And be faithful, because He will. And I'm going to encourage you to continue that in 2015. Tithe, tithe, tithe. And see what happens. And, and I'll make you this promise. Because God made the promise, so I'm going to make it so. If you do not see God's blessing, if you do not see the windows of heaven open up and try us, you don't have to anymore. If, if January, February 2015 rolls around, and you're like, yeah, you know what? God hasn't done anything. Okay, no pass. No pass. But I'm going to bet, I'm going to bet, because God says He's going to give you blessings. He's going to give you blessings. Uh, and I'm going to encourage you to tithe. Uh, and tithe at your church. Okay? Uh, maybe you don't go to Hillside. Uh, tithe at your church. I'm not saying give all your money to Ecclesia Young Adults Group. We don't need any cool posters, okay? Uh, give to your church, your home church, uh, and see what God does. See what God does. Because I can tell you from my own life, uh, God's done a bunch. Uh, I, I now, and, and, and I'll say this, uh, I'm not patting myself on the back or anything, uh, I don't jump high every month. Uh, I personally support uh, a missionary family, uh, and I give in alms every month. Uh, I give uh, a good chunk of what I make back to the Lord. I can tell you what, because I've given so much of what I've made, uh, God always increases what I've kept, and He sustains. Uh, I think you heard Pastor Dave, you were in church on Sunday morning. Uh, God does so much more with the 90% than he does if we were to be in charge of our full 100%. And the last thing before we sing the song titled God is Good, which goes right along with all of this, uh, you realize that we don't give, I've actually been using like improper wording, we don't give the tithe to God. Uh, God receives the tithe because guess what? It's actually already all His. Um, so we're just going to participate and be like, all right, God, boom. Thank you for what you've given me. I'm giving back, receive this back to you because I know it already came from you. So whoever signs your paychecks, whoever gives you your allowance, if anyone still gets allowance, uh, ultimately that all boils down to that that's a blessing from God and so we are to give back in that so I'm going to challenge you uh, and I'm going to to make it not awkward for you guys yet to make it a little bit awkward I'm going to encourage you guys uh, uh, to let me know on your own not by like a show of hands or anything but, and, and, and not even after service tonight Okay, go home, pray about this, like do this thing. Uh, but then let me know, hey Matt, I've accepted your challenge. Would you pray for me and keep me accountable? And, and I will do that for the next four weeks of the challenge for 2015. Uh, I will do that for you. Uh, don't tell me how much you're giving. I don't need to know. Okay? Uh, but if you want to accept this challenge and be faithful to what God has, uh, it's awesome if we have some like buddies to do it with. Uh, and so I'm going to challenge you guys to do that. Uh, so with that being said, um, Bo, would you lead us in this song, uh, and let's declare how good our God is, uh, and then Bo will close us in a word of prayer, and then we're going to fellowship. Is that our game plan? Awesome.